So many bad memories. <laughs> Writing was definitely not my best subject, but I, similarly, I had a teacher that helped me bring it up, you know? So, yeah, that's great. Yes, uh, I'm Brian Lidbeck. I had the joy of being here about uh, a year ago or so, being with you folks, and that was a great time. And uh, Pastor Norm invited me back anyway. So, you know, uh, so it's great to be here. So, so glad to get to worship with you folks today. And uh, Pastor Norm was one of my students, but, you know, honestly, I'm sure I learned as much from him as he learned from me. Um, I'm the academic dean at North Point Bible College in Grand Rapids, uh, but the folks here this morning said, we want you to make yourself right at home today, but that's really easy for me because I am a youper, and uh, yeah, so the further north I go, I automatically start feeling more and more at home, you know what I mean? Every once in a while, you might even hear a little yah a slip out, but, uh, so you know where that comes from, but... Pastor Norm, if you uh, are watching today or watch the rerun, thanks so much for the invitation. You and and Barbara, a great blessing. And so um, I'm married. I have a wife named Diane. She usually travels with me, but she took the week off. And um, so in any event, she's a great joy to me and blessing. Um, Had a lot going on in recent years of my life. Um, uh, A little while back, did a doctoral degree and uh, wrote a book called Resurrection in Spirit. It's a textbook that we use at the college. So if you're looking for light reading, this is not it. But if you're looking for some challenging reading about the Holy Spirit and about Jesus' resurrection and Pentecost, the subject I'll address today, uh, that would definitely be, be something for you to pick up. You can get that on Amazon. Just uh, look up Brian Lidbeck or Resurrection in Spirit. Or if you want to find me on Facebook, I do have an author page there. I'm working on a second book right now, but if you want to put a little like on on my author page on Facebook, that would be awesome. And I'm working on a book right now um, called A Biblical Theology of Tongues. Um, I've been working on that on and off for about eight, nine years. Um, I'm already over 300 pages on on this thing. Working on the ending of uh, Mark right now. I'm already done with the Acts portion, and so that's moving quite along, and I was hoping to be done with it by now, but you know how big projects go, don't you? It always takes longer than you think, and planning on doing both the lay version and the academic version of this book. So anyway, that's what's going on with me. Um, I did bring uh, an extra, I do have a couple copies with me if after the service you want to hunt me down and want one of these, otherwise just go to Amazon and you can find it there. Um, But I have a message today for you um, from the book of Acts, and so if you want to go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 2 and uh, go there in your Bible or on your device, however you're reading your Bible these days, that would be great. Uh, So that's where I'm going to be in just a minute. But I do want to mention that uh, we, if you have a bachelor's degree, we are in two weeks starting a new cohort uh, for the Master of Arts at uh, Grand Rapids, and you're welcome to chat with me, or Pastor Norm's been through it, if you want to talk to him. Uh, That's something that uh, to be aware of. In our undergraduate, we have a one-year certificate, a two-year associates, and we also have a four-year Bachelor of Arts in Ministry Leadership. 
starting this fall, so if any of you are inclined to jump in, that's great. If you're over 26 years of age, you can attend virtually. You can stay right here in the Gaylord area and take classes, and, and you're going to Zoom right live into the classroom. So some opportunities to check out. You can go to our website, North Point Bible College, Grand Rapids, if you like to see that. All right, here we go. Without further delay, let's go to Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to read portions of chapter 2. Let's start in verse 1. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV, and it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly, like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And now we have a list of all the different groups and nations that were present. You know, the Elamites, parasites, mosquito bites, all of them, all the ites. And then we go to the middle of verse 11. It says, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had a little too much wine. And Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Now we go through the gospel message here. Peter preaches about the resurrection of Jesus to them. And that brings us down to verse 32, where I'm going to pick it up for our last little unit here in this passage. In verse 32, it says, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact, exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Everybody say, both Lord and Christ. That is the key verse in Acts 2, is verse 36. That Jesus is Lord and Christ. Most people think this passage is primarily about the Holy Spirit. It is not primarily about the Holy Spirit. It's primarily about Jesus who sends the Holy Spirit. He has made him Lord and Christ. Let me pick it up there in verse 37, then we'll finish it off. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because the promise is for you and your children. And for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. How the gift is for all believers in Jesus. Amen. I was not raised in a Pentecostal or Assemblies of God household. 
I was raised in United Methodist Church, great church, came to know Jesus at a young age in that church, and very thankful for my background in the Methodist Church. But I didn't know much about the gifts of the Spirit. I didn't know about a baptism in the Spirit. I didn't know about prophecy and all those kinds of things. And uh, at a later point, I was introduced to all of this. But I was very, very frightened. And I didn't want want anything to do with this weird tongue stuff, especially. That was just a little, that was a bridge too far for me, you know. So, no thanks. I was at Michigan Tech as a young man up in the UP in the engineering program there. Yeah, it's a long story. Here I am. But anyway, engineering. I have a degree in engineering too. <laughs> at any event, and I had a roommate there who was Pentecostal. And he insisted that I needed this experience. And I'll talk more about that as I go. But the whole thing seemed so weird to me. And still... I encounter a lot of people who are just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, I'm all right with, with you know, Jesus, but this whole Holy Spirit speaking tongues thing, mm, that's a little weird. So several years ago, there was a revival, and I went to this revival service, and I had heard that there were all kinds of weird things happening, and I really wasn't really interested in going to see a bunch of weird So for a long time, I didn't go. But then I finally one day said, you know, I hear people are really getting blessed and touched by God. Maybe I should go check it out for myself instead of going by what everybody has to say about it. So I go to this service, and I bring some of my church members with me. I was pastoring at the time. And it was a wonderful service, and people were touched by the power of God. One of the ladies with us, I I believe, was even healed of a back problem in these meetings. And everything was orderly, it was powerful, there were signs and wonders, but it was orderly, and it was like, I don't know why everybody has such a problem with this. I'm walking out the door, now I'm in the, in the foyer, and about to go out the door, made it through the whole evening, everything was wonderful, and this, and this young guy, probably like 19, 20 years old, it goes around and he's, and he's like this, and he goes, I'm shooting you with my Holy Ghost gun. And I'm like, oh no, we were doing so good. You know, these are the stories that people think of when they think about Pentecostals sometimes. And no wonder, no wonder they're scared. That was me as a young man, afraid of all that stuff. You know what I wanted to do? I just wanted to go, oh yeah? (laughs) I didn't. You'd be happy to know. So when people think about this subject, they often think it's scary and weird. And so the title of this message today is, The Baptism in the Holy Spirit, It's Not Weird and Not to be Feared. It's not weird and not to be feared. I have three points for you today. First of all, it's a promise from the Father. Secondly, it's power to witness. And finally, it's praise to Jesus. You got that? Let me give it to you, give them to you one more time. It's a promise from your Father. It's power to witness. And it's praise to Jesus. Hallelujah. We're going to go to um, Luke chapter 11. And so if you would like to follow along there, you can. And it says here in Luke 11, 11 through 13, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? 
If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? In other words, if you ask God for His Spirit, for more of Himself, for more of His fullness, He is not going to trick you. He's not going to give you a demon. He's not going to give you something weird. He's not going to give you something scary. He's not going to give you something bad. He's going to give you His Holy Spirit. As a young man, when I read this, it brought incredible comfort to me and reassurance that I could ask God for this and didn't have to worry that somehow the devil was going to get in there and take advantage of me. God is not playing any games with us today. Amen. No tricks. So, by way of introduction, for those who might be where I was, here is what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not, just so we're clear about what I'm talking about. First of all, it is not the same thing as coming to Jesus in salvation. Every person who asks Jesus into their heart to be their Lord, to be their Savior, knows Jesus and has the Spirit of God living in their life already. Okay? So I'm not talking about that moment when you come to Jesus. And there might be someone here today that the real reason you're in the building today, or if you're watching online, the real reason that you tuned in and you're watching today is because it's time for you to give your life to Jesus. That's where we start. That's where life begins to be transformed. But that's not the main subject of my uh, passage, my sermon here today. Also, it's not the same as water baptism. When we use the term baptism, which means to immerse, people automatically think, oh, baptism, you're talking about when we get up in the water tank and we, we dunk you in there, or like me as a kid, you know, just slap them on the forehead with a little water. I've been baptized a couple of ways just to make sure I'm good. <laughs> but growing up in the Methodist church, it was a poof. It was the procedure. In any event, I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is an immersion in the very presence of God. A fullness of God sharing His presence with us. We notice in the passage we just read, both in chapter 2 of Acts and in Luke, that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a gift. That the gift is not a gift in the sense of material possessions, but it is the gift of God's very presence Himself. The gift is the Spirit Himself. God is giving Himself to us in a greater way when we are baptized in the Spirit, or in a different way, in a way that we're coming to know Him, in a way that we haven't known Him in quite exactly that way before. Let me explain. Think about God for a moment, and all illustrations about God, of course, just break down really fast, because He's God, you know? How do you, how do you describe Him? But think for a moment like this eternal diamond that has unlimited number of facets. And when you come to salvation... You experience certain facets of God's glory and beauty and light and, and wonder. But when you're baptized in the Spirit, you experience more facets of God's goodness of who He is. So can you really get more of God than what you have? At Yes, you can. In fact, because God is a personal God, when we think of the baptism in the Spirit, we shouldn't think of quantity. We should think of person. Here's what I mean. I've been married now for, um, since 1989, I guess that makes about 33 years. And I know my wife in a way that I don't know everyone else. 
Some of you today I just met for the first time. So, yeah, we know each other, but we haven't shared very much of ourselves with each other. You have circles of relationships in your life. There's your, there's your family. You're really close, and maybe really close friends they are in that inner circle. But then you've got this next circle of people that you know, but you don't share as much of yourself with them. There's aspects of your life that, that you're just never going to share. And then there's that another circle where you know them, but not real well, and then just by name. You are able, as a human being and a person, to share more or less of yourself with another person. God is a personal being. He is capable of sharing various aspects of himself with his people. So the moment you come to know Jesus, you have not learned everything about God. You haven't experienced everything about him. You have been given an initial relationship that's going to build and grow and develop. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is one of these events along that continuum where God shares himself in his power, enabling you to be his witness. Don't ever think that a personal being can, can, can't give you more or even withhold himself. He can and he does. So does that mean that a person that hasn't had the baptism of the Spirit is less of a Christian? No. Does that mean they've never had incredible experiences with God? No. What it means is there's more of him to know yet. So let's praise God for what we've had, but let's go after more of his presence. Hallelujah. God wants to gift himself to his people. When I look at Acts chapter 2, I, I see that phrase, tongues of fire. What's that all about anyway? Well, I did a little research. Okay, a lot of research. <laughs> I went through that, looking for that phrase in the Old Testament, intertestamental Judaism, the time period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. I looked it up in rabbinic Judaism, the, the rabbis of later centuries after Jesus' time. And I found that that phrase is used commonly when it's used in reference to God and his presence, that what it consistently means is God's divine presence. So why do tongues of fire appear? The tongues of fire appear because this is God's presence coming upon his new temple, the church, in power. It's the presence, presence of God. Everybody say, the presence of God. I just want to share with you today that God wants to share more of himself with you. It's not weird. It's not something to be feared. It's more of God's presence. When we go through the book of Acts, we see there they were filled with the Spirit. That particular expression is used often. It often indicates a kind of prophetic empowerment. But when we go to the Old Testament, it also has this, this sort of uh, uh, background in the temple, the temple being filled with the presence of God. In other words, once again, this filling is a God filling his temples with his glory. Who would not want, as a believer, more of the glory of God templing in us as we are his temples? I think about Jesus when... In Luke 24, 
He's about to ascend into heaven. And as he, as he begins to ascend, you know what he does? He does something kind of unusual. He lifts up both of his hands. Well, what's he doing that for? Well, because God's grabbing his hands and pulling them up. No, I don't think that's it. <laughs> he lifts his hands. What he's doing as high priest, he is blessing his disciples. And he is releasing on them, if you will, the power of the Holy Spirit. Because he's just told them, if you wait here in Jerusalem, it's not going to be long. And you're going to be filled with power from on high. And as he's going up, he does the priestly blessing, and he blesses them with the Spirit. And Pentecost, just a short time later then, is when the Spirit comes in power. And we just sang about the same God yesterday, is the same God today, who's still doing miracles. Pentecost is still for us today. The high priest is still blessing us. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he is pouring out the Spirit today. And right now, right in this place, you can receive a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. You don't even have to wait for me to get done preaching. You can ask Jesus right in your seat right now and say, I need what he's talking about. I need more of God. I need the Holy Spirit. I've seen several times and throughout my ministry and in my life where nobody did anything. I didn't lay hands on anyone. I just said, receive the Holy Spirit. And they said, okay. They were hit with the power of God and filled with His glory and began to speak in other tongues. You begin asking God now. Don't wait for the preacher. I'm not the baptizer in the Spirit. I'm just the preacher. I'm only a messenger. Jesus is the baptizer in the Spirit. He will give as a gift His presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what happened to me? Well, here I am, young man, college, my roommate, crazy Pentecostal. One night, it's like two in the morning, I've been studying, probably chemistry or something. Oh, I hated chemistry. But in any event, <laughs> Jesus used chemistry to get a hold of me and call me in the ministry. <laughs> and uh, it's like two in the morning. And we have been arguing about this whole baptism in the spirit thing. Because I just wasn't buying it. I, I just like, hey, that's good for you. I'm glad. But So he gets his family praying for me. I walk in the dorm room one day, and he's on the phone giving them, giving them a little bit of an update on how progress is coming with me. Anyway, it's 2 in the morning, and I'm laying there in bed trying to go to sleep and studying all night. And he's on the bunk underneath me, and he pops up. He says, Brian, I'm telling you, you need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, oh. Not right now, I don't. I just want to go to sleep. Would you just leave me alone? He was persistent. But I began to look in the scriptures and begin to study and find out, you know what? It's there. Acts chapter 2, the outpouring of the Spirit, it's like a tripwire at the beginning of Acts. You can't read that book without tripping over Pentecost, and it casts a shadow over the whole rest of the book. Everything in Acts must be interpreted through the lens of the pouring out of the Spirit in Acts chapter 2. Eventually, I discovered he was right as I begin to search the scriptures and I begin to ask God. And things begin to change and the fears begin to leave me. And I begin to have a series of experiences where God was filling me with the Holy Spirit. One day, I was going down the road in the car and, and I was just overwhelmed with the glory of God. I didn't even understand what was happening to me. But this began to happen. One time at North Point, I was, 
I was just teaching on this subject and, and various related subjects in a, in a class. I think it was probably like a Tuesday night class. There was a young lady in the class, and she needed the baptism of the Spirit. I had no idea. All I did was talk about it like I'm doing right now. She gets in the car. is going home from school. And suddenly she has a passenger in the car that she's unaware of, who's been there all along, really, but suddenly makes himself known. And Jesus fills her with his spirit while she's driving down the road after just sitting in class at North Point. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because Jesus was in the car. And Jesus is in the car here today. I'm saying, we got a lot of people here on the bus here this morning. I'm talking, Jesus is driving this bus. His presence is here. He is ready to heal. He is ready to touch. He is ready to set free. He's ready to deliver. He is ready to encourage. He is ready to draw you to himself. He's waiting for you to say, Jesus, do it. All right, let me move on. Number two, baptism in the Holy Spirit is not weird and not to be feared. It's power to witness. Because you got stubbornness. You know why you need power to witness? Because you've got stubborn people in your life that need Jesus really bad. And your lectures aren't doing it. Your nagging isn't going to accomplish it. You need power. Everybody say, I need power. It says in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You need power. The Spirit comes on us in a powerful way that come upon language is Old Testament language where the Spirit comes on people and, and clothes them with power and fills them with power. Numbers chapter 11 is one of my favorite passages in the Old Testament. And in this chapter, we have uh, uh, the Israelites. They're tired of eating manna. It's manna for breakfast. It's manicotti, as one singer used to say. It's manna everything. They were tired of it. We want meat to eat. Moses didn't know what to do with them. He goes to the Lord. Lord, they're complaining and griping, and they want manna, and they want... They don't want men anymore. They want meat. And we got all of these people here. There's hundreds of thousands of people, maybe a million, I don't know. But all of these people, and I don't know what to do. And the Lord says to him, all right, I'm going to tell you what to do. And quit your griping, and you get over there, and I'm going to take the spirit who's on you, and I'm going to place the spirit on your 70 elders. And sure enough, the spirit comes on those 70 elders, and they immediately begin to prophesy. Now, there's these two guys named Eldad and Medad. They didn't go with the rest, but they're in the camp still with all the people. And they represent how God one day will be in the camp with all the people and not just on the leaders. And so they're in the camp. And they keep on prophesying and they keep on going. Now, Joshua, Moses' aide, comes to Moses and says, Mole! You've got to stop these two guys. Everybody's going to think that they got all the power and they're the leaders and you're not going to be the great leader anymore. And Moses says, are you kidding me, dude? I'm sure he said it just that way. He says, I wish that all the Lord's servants were prophets 
and that he would put his spirit on them. Everybody say prophets. You see, in the Old Testament, when the spirit comes on people, what happens typically, like Amaziah, Jehaziel, maybe even people you haven't heard of, Saul, David, when the spirit comes on them, they begin to prophesy. They begin to speak by the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, after David is filled, the next time we see him, he's singing prophetic psalms to the Lord. He's filled with the Spirit. Tongues, you see, are a form of prophetic speech. And when you are filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized in the Holy Spirit, what in the Old Testament was the general word prophecy in the New Testament has a subcategory of that called speaking in tongues. And what that is, is a form of prophetic speech. Not prophetic necessarily in the sense like you're telling the future. That's what people always think of with prophecy. But prophecy is a big category. Speaking under the inspiration of the Spirit is prophecy, regardless of what you're saying. But when they begin to speak in other tongues... They are prophesying. Well, how do you know that? Because you just read it in Acts chapter 2, right? It says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. This is Peter explaining. They're saying, hey, what just happened here? What's with all of these languages? They're fulfilling Joel. First, it goes back to Moses. And then we go to Joel. Joel picks up on the theme from Moses. In the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on everyone, not just 70 elders. And they're going to prophesy too. And then Pentecost happens. They start speaking in tongues. And then what do they say? Oh, Peter says to the crowds, this is the fulfillment of that. They have been given prophetic voice. Tongues, you see, are a form of of prophetic speech. That's what that is? That's what that is. When you are praising the Lord in tongues, you are speaking under the inspiration of the Spirit. Wow. Okay, well, Pastor Brian, I just got a question. Why tongues? I mean, of all the things, why not, you know, healing? And why not this other thing? Very simple. Are you ready? This is so simple. You're going to wish you'd heard this like 30 years ago. For those of you who are old enough to wish 30 years ago. <laughs> why, didn't somebody, why didn't somebody tell me this? When I preach this, I get mad that nobody told me this. Why Tongues. Okay, first, the word tongues, all that is in the Greek text is the word uh, glosso, which means language. That's all it is, speaking in languages. That's all the term means. Nothing weird about that. Languages. Oh, they are supernaturally inspired to speak in these languages. Okay, why is that? Remember how we just read about all the nations who were there? Or I just summarized it. There's all these nations there. Because tongues as languages symbolizes nations. Everybody say nations. nations. Tongues symbolize nations. Now why is that? 
Because when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you are given a new prophetic empowered tongue to speak the message of Jesus to the nations. Oh, you mean it's missiological. Yes! It's about the mission! So here's what's going on. Jesus, up there on the throne at the right hand of the Father, has, the, has been granted by the Father the uh, divine prerogative of pouring out the Spirit. He pours down His Spirit on His waiting people. They begin to speak in other tongues, prophesying, speaking prophetically. They now know that the, that the nations, the power to reach the nations has been deposited into their being. And so now they will go out knowing that they have this power and they will go out and they will minister in power to the nations. It's all about reaching people for Jesus. And you need power in your life to minister and reach people for Jesus. I remember I was first baptized in the Spirit. Again, not raised in this kind of background. I don't understand all of this. So I, I, I don't know anything about words of knowledge. I don't know anything about gifts of the Spirit. I get baptized in the Spirit, and I'm excited about that. But then one day I'm at this youth center, and a friend walks in with some young lady that I don't, that never met before, and immediately I hear in my head, Jehovah's Witness. Jehovah's Witness. Jehovah's Witness. Jehovah's Witness. And I'm just like, what in the world is wrong with my head? I have no idea what's going on. I wasn't raised to learn about this. I didn't have Pastor Norm here to teach me about this, you know. And so I'm like, what in the world? So I go up and I start talking and, I, and it starts to click. Maybe, maybe I'm supposed to do something with this. I don't know. And I, so I said to the young lady, I said, are you by any chance a Jehovah's Witness? And she says, yes. I'm like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> Again, this is all new to me. I don't understand. I said, okay. So I said, do you mind if I talk with you for a few minutes? And I pulled her aside, and, I began to, and she receives Jesus as Savior. Now, you could spend the rest of your life, yes, give him praise. You could spend the rest of your life arguing, or you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. I said, you could spend the rest of your life arguing with your mother-in-law, your father-in-law, your brother, your sister, the people at work, or you can receive the power of the Holy Spirit so that your words cut right to it and bring the conviction and bring the transformation so that they will come to Jesus. I'll take that option. Amen. Number three, here we go. Last point. It's not weird and not to be feared. It's praise to Jesus. Speaking tongues is not weird. It's not to be feared. It's praise to Jesus. In fact, whenever speaking in tongues is described in the Bible, the tongues are always oriented to God. Did you ever notice that? 
we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. What were the wonders of God? God had just raised Jesus from the dead and provided for our salvation. It's the message of salvation. They are responding in praise at Pentecost to God for the work he has done in Jesus. Tongues are Christ-centered. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain, verse 36 of chapter 2, that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. In other words, this outpouring of the Spirit, this speaking in tongues, this praise to God, this prophetic power, you know what that is? That right there is, a, is praise to God showing that Jesus is on the throne, that Jesus is Lord, that He deserves all the glory, and you are responding to His enthronement at the right hand of the Father with your praise, and you are lavishing praise on Him in languages that you don't even understand. That's what you're doing. Wait a minute, Pastor Brian. They call me PB at school. PB, so what you're saying, you're saying that when I'm praying in tongues, I'm praising Jesus. Yes. And you are doing it with prophetic inspiration and power. And when you are praising him, you are being renewed and refilled so that you can go deal with that stubborn boss or stubborn coworker or stubborn schoolmate or stubborn relative of yours so that they can hear the message in power. Are you getting the picture? Jesus is on the throne. He's the Lord. He's there. He pours out his spirit. I respond in other tongues because I've been filled with him. I've been empowered to reach the nations. I'm praising Him. As I'm responding in praise, I'm being refreshed and filled and renewed. And now I'm going out in power to speak in my own language to deal with the stubborn people in my life. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. It's not weird. It's not something to be afraid of. It's miraculous, but it's not weird. In fact, there's a certain internal logic to the whole thing when we understand that tongues are the symbol of nations. Speaking in tongues is a responsive praise to our enthroned King, Jesus. I'm praising my King. Did you know, this is in my next book, so I'm cheating a little bit here, but here's a preview did you know that every time tongues are mentioned in the Bible, and it's in five, five different passages, five, five different texts, that every time tongues are mentioned, the word Lord occurs right there in the immediate context, referring to the Lord Jesus. You will never find the mention of tongues without the mention of Jesus as Lord. Acts chapter 2, verse 36, God has made him Lord and Christ. Acts chapter 10, guess what? You have the same thing there again at Cornelius' household. It says there, you know the message of God's, that God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Because he's Lord of all nations, he pours out his spirit on those people, and they begin to praise him in tongues. You go to chapter 19, and you got the people at Ephesus. And how do they receive? They receive the Spirit after they submit to Jesus as Lord, right in the text there. I believe it's verse 6. 
You go to the book of Mark, and you go right at the end, and it says that they're going to speak in new tongues, and right after that, Jesus ascends into heaven, just like at Pentecost, and there he is, the Lord Jesus. What about 1 Corinthians? You go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and the first thing it says before it even starts the conversation, it says that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And then it starts the conversation about the gifts and tongues. But you never have, never have tongues mentioned in the Bible without the Lordship of Jesus being established in the immediate context. Because it's about Jesus. You know what? Understanding this now, I'm okay praying in tongues. Because I know what I'm doing. I am praising King Jesus, who's at the right hand of the Father. I tell people this, no, I don't know exactly what you're saying when you're praying in tongues, but I know what you're saying. You are declaring the lordship of Jesus. You are giving him praise. Sometimes, though, Pastor Brian, I feel like I'm interceding. I'm, I'm praying about something. Oh, yeah, well, I know what you're doing. What, what am I doing? You are declaring the lordship of Jesus over that situation. I don't know exactly what you're saying, but I know what you're doing. You're praising Jesus. Everybody say, I'm praising Jesus. So what's so weird about that? What's so bad about that? I began to have a series of experiences, as I mentioned before, during my college years. and I, uh, I didn't understand these overwhelming experiences. I was afraid that if, if I had opened my mouth during those times that something strange would happen. I, so I clammed up. Some time went by. Didn't understand what was happening to me. One day I, I'd gone to the, over to the next campus. I ended up at Lake Superior State University for a couple years as well. And I'm praying beside my bed. And as I'm praying, suddenly I start praying in other tongues. Nobody there to pray over me. Oh, I'd been prayed for a few times. But there was nobody in that room but me and Jesus. Some of you will go home today and like that girl in the car I talked about, or like me beside my bed, you will just simply be going about your way and you'll say, Jesus, I do need your power. And before you even get the words out of your mouth, you begin to sense the presence of God and be filled with his presence and filled with his Holy Spirit. You know why? Because I'm not the baptizer in the Spirit. I'm only the messenger. Jesus is the baptizer and he's there as soon as you call. You don't have to wait for that, but for some of you, that will be the case. Some of you, perhaps, you've heard about this for years, and you say, but I've always wanted that experience, but I've never had that experience. Let me give you some reassurance. The reason that I preach this message that the way that I do is because I want to remove the weird barriers that have hindered you from simply being able to receive this gift from your Lord. And in the name of Jesus, may every barrier be demolished right now. Amen. You're his child. And this is your birthright to be empowered and filled with his presence. I'm just going to conclude with a story, and a little bit of a hymn that I think describes what I'm talking about today. You know, those who are coming to worship, you can lead us. You can come whenever you like.
Several years ago, I was newly baptized in the Spirit. I didn't know about how to pray for people about this. <laughs> I was so green. I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I just, in the Bible, I see they lay hands on people, and so I guess, you know, that's what you do. And a young lady who knew me before I was filled with the Spirit and then knew me after I'd had the experience um, was there with us for a, for a bonfire on Lake Superior at a park. And um, so we're all out there, and she says, you know what you were talking about? Because I had, I had done a little lesson on this. I had gone back to Michigan Tech and told all my friends what had happened to me. And she said, do you think that I could have that? And I'm like, well, yes, of course. And, and she had been very, very deeply depressed. There was no joy in this young lady's life. How many of you know when you encounter and Jesus and have a fresh experience with him, he can do multiple things at the same time in you. Bondages you didn't know you had break off. And yeah, so one of my friends was there and he had just been filled with the Holy Spirit too, had that same experience. And so, yeah, I, I, I guess. So we take her down the beach and we start praying for her. And we're laying hands on her, we're praying, oh Jesus, fill her with the Spirit. And we don't know what we're doing, but here we go. Fill her with the Holy Spirit. Touch her, Jesus. Lord, just, just help her. And nothing. We're like, oh, I don't know, pray some more. Really touch her. Double touch her? I mean, you know, I don't know what we're doing. Then finally she goes, ah, ah, I can't talk. And I'm like, oh, great. We got the reverse baptism in the Spirit. It's <laughs> not the way I thought it was supposed to be. Then she blurts out in other tongues. And she doesn't stop. Joy fills her life, and she is instantly delivered from depression. She can't stop speaking in tongues for weeks. She goes back to class at Michigan Tech and she's sitting in class and she's trying not to burst out laughing and speaking in tongues in class because she's so filled with joy. She's in the seat. And this just goes on and on. And, then, and my friends are with her and they meet for prayer and, and she starts speaking in tongues and this is a, the double miracle like at Pentecost. It's not always or even usually like that where it's known languages. But, but she, starts to, she starts to pray in other tongues and one of my friends has, grew up in Italy and she's in Italian and then another friend uh, knew Spanish and she starts speaking Spanish and, and just going on. It's like, what in the world? Hallelujah. I said it's not always a known language like that, but you need some of that. We all do. And for those of you that, well, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Listen, you haven't, you haven't prayed in the Spirit, though, in other tongues in a long time. Listen, if I go very long without changing the oil in my car, the results are not going to be real good. If you haven't changed the oil in five years, that's not good. If you haven't prayed and been empowered and refilled, you need to get back in the habit of praying in the Spirit again. If you 
have been filled with the Spirit before, but you said, okay, I've had that, I checked the box. But now you're not increasing in your fullness and having fresh experiences with God. I say to you, today is time for you to be filled anew and refreshed and be touched again. Years ago, I, I went to the Brownsville Revival and uh, once I got touched at Revival, I just went everywhere where there was Revival. It's like I just wanted to be where God was moving. I didn't care. And uh, I went to the Brownsville Revival and I was so filled with the power of God and I didn't know it. But when I got back to my church, revival immediately broke out because I was so touched that everyone else began to get touched and, got, and it never really stopped. It went on year after year after year. Hallelujah! If you're stale, it's time for a refilling today. I can wrap up, I think, what I've been saying with the hymn, Charles Wesley, many of you know the old hymn, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. And I don't think he was about talking about speaking in tongues the way that I'm talking about it, but boy, do, do his words ever fit and summarize it well. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. Do I have to speak in tongues? It's like saying, do I have to worship Jesus? No, you get to speak in tongues. The glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace, my gracious Master and my God assist me to proclaim, to spread through all the earth abroad the honors of Thy name. I'm going to praise Jesus. And I'm going to go speak to the nations. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, and I talk about tongues because it's such a difficult thing for people to wrap their minds around, and that's why I spend time on it today. But we could summarize tongues this way. The last time I preached this and put up this slide, I saw a guy whip out his camera and click. That's not a bad idea right there. Not a bad idea. If most believers knew this, they would find this so much more rewarding than to have the experience and to know what's going on. The symbolism of tongues is nations. Everybody say nations. The nature of tongues, what, what's going on, is prophetic speech. And the content of tongues is praise to Jesus. It's the sign that you have been filled with His power to proclaim to the nations. Let me review here our three points today. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is a promise from your Father. It's power to witness. And it's praise to Jesus. Can we stand together? So, Pastor Brian, what do I do? I, I need Jesus. I need more of Jesus. I need to be filled with Jesus. Let's bow our heads for a moment. The first thing is this. As I said earlier, some, some of you, you tuned in today or you showed up today because really you need to be introduced to Jesus. This is the first thing. This is the most important thing. Having a relationship with Jesus. Having Him wash away all of your sins and make you brand new 
Oh, how he wants to do that. He's just been waiting for you to ask him. He wants to come into your life in that way. So with our heads bowed, let me, let me just give the invitation to anyone here. And I promise you, I am not going to embarrass you. I'm, I'm just going to pray for you. In fact, we're all going to pray together in a moment. But with our heads bowed and eyes closed for a moment, and you're just saying, you know what? Today's the day. I need to give my life to Jesus. I want him to wash away all my sins and make me brand new. Would you just slip up a hand on the count of three? Ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. Several of you. Anyone else? Raise your hand. Lift up your hand. Say, I need to know Jesus. I don't know him. All right, we're all going to pray together then. Here we go. Pray after me. Lord Jesus, you are the King. You are the Savior. And I want to know you. So come into my life. Be my Lord. Set me free from every sin. Forgive me. Wash my sins away. Make me brand new. I want to know you. So come in. I want to be your child from now on. And I thank you that by faith you are now in my life. And I am brand new. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Yes, let's everybody give praise. The angels rejoice when even just one, how much more we should rejoice and give praise to Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to come and do what was promised would be done. That our birthright as children of God is that we could receive an empowering work of the Holy Spirit that fills us up to be a witness to the nations for your namesake, Jesus. And I ask you to come, Holy Spirit, right now and begin to pour your presence out in this place. Begin to pour your presence out. We know you're here. We felt you in the worship today. We felt you during this service. Now come Jesus, pour out your spirit. You are the baptizer. Begin to fill and refill people. Those of you, you're believers, you've been filled with the spirit already, but it's been a long time. Right now, you begin to praise God in other tongues. You ask him to refill you. Come on, we're going to just go ahead right now. You just begin to praise him in that language. Just begin to praise him. Worship team, if you want to lead us, I'm just going to give you a minute. Those of you that never been filled before, you begin to ask Him while we're worshiping. Go ahead. We're going to praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Come on, church. Let's worship the King. And then you're just going to slip into that new language as you worship Him. Yes, you are, Lord. Worthy Jesus. Worthy, 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 worthy. From you are all things. Yeah. To you are all things. Hallelujah.
worship Him this morning. Oh, day and night, night and day, let Him center much that your bride gathered here and some watching online today that Lord that you have called us out of darkness and into your glorious marvelous light that we're your children we have all these blessings thank you and Lord today as we uh, are thinking today of Pastor Norm and Barb we pray your blessing on them we pray a refreshing of the Holy Spirit on their lives right now. We pray a fresh outpouring to strengthen them, encourage them, direct them, Lord. Protect them, Jesus. We just declare your blessings over them. Hallelujah. Meet all of their needs. Just inspire them and fill them again today, Lord. And Lord, I pray for this church. I pray, Father, that the stirring that we sense here today of your presence will continue and grow and multiply and that you will set this church a fire for you, Lord, a blaze for you. More than it already is, just be blessing. Pour out your spirit. Yes, amen. Yes, Lord. Amen. Amen, that Lord, the community will feel your presence. The very atmosphere of the community will begin to change with the glory of God, Lord, being carried by your people. Hallelujah. Lord, for those today who have been in bondage, those, Lord God, that have had besetting sins, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that that is broken. I just declare that broken. Yes. For those that have been depressed, like the friend I talked about, in the name of Jesus, that that ends. But the refreshing of the Holy Spirit comes and lifts them up. We're thankful for counselors, but the great, mighty counselor we need, Jesus. 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 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, for the person that says, I don't really feel much of anything. Lord, for that person, just draw near and stir faith. And stir faith in them. That they will know that you are near regardless of what they do or do not feel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just declare blessings over this church. That they're blessed when they come in. Blessed when they go out. That everything they put their hand to will prosper, Lord. That, that your hand will be in their hands. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I bless the finances. Every family here. I bless their children that their children will serve you. Those that have lost family members that they will come back to you. In Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name. That this church is blessed. In the mighty name of Jesus, I declare it. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. You're free to go whenever you like. And if you want to stay at the altars and pray for a bit, that's great too. God bless you.